and welcome to another episode of Carry On Up The Misses. I'm Christopher, and this is The Misses. Hello, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope you like it. And so, Fiona, did you like Carry On Henry? I did. You did? It. It. I liked the storyline, and mm-hmm. I know it's obviously a historical storyline and B, fictitious storyline, mm-hmm. but... I think the strength was the the many layers of of different things happening. It wasn't too gag heavy. I would hmm. maybe criticise that. I don't think I found it that funny. Yeah. But I did enjoy it. Okay, I, I think it was quite gag heavy. Just you didn't enjoy the gags. Well, that might be that. <laughs> that might be. So, what did you enjoy? So, you, you like the story, and it is just really, it really is just one story from start to finish. Then. Yes. I mean, there's there's different layers, as I said. The, there's the the Queen, who is Joan Sims. Queen Mary. Queen Mary, um, the French Queen, who will only eat the garlic. Um, and un- she has it away with the taster. So, Roger de Roger de. Ah, brilliant name. <laughs> who is obviously Charles Hawtrey. Mm-hmm. And then there's the off and on wanting to use the fact that he's father of the child as... Um, a reason for divorce, not reason for divorce, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So there was all the torture of Hawtrey, in which he became tall and taller. Yeah, that was good. That was quite good. Now, I didn't find Hawtrey as good as the... He didn't make me laugh just by turning up. I think he's mm-hmm. just getting old. Or slash drunk. Oh, uh, I thought he was quite good in this, actually. He was good, but he wasn't comic. He wasn't clown-like. Mm-hmm. Um... And then obviously Babs turned up to be the next woman he fancied. Uh-huh. And then the King of France turned up to uh, threaten war. So, so yeah, there was all these different layers of, uh, uh-huh. of storyline. I did enjoy them. Okay. Um, what did you think of the, uh, I see, I think I see you got it written down, sets and costumes. Fab is what I wrote uh-huh. down. Um, They've obviously had some kind of set for something else at Pinewood. Um, <laughs> Not just the set. In this Is case. it Pinewood? Pinewood, yeah. yeah. The costumes are something else, aren't they? But again, that's something noted of, of the time, is how mm-hmm. grand they were. Well, there's um, also the fact that there was a film about Henry VIII, Anne of a Thousand Days, Richard Burton as Henry, which this, all the sets and costumes have, are oh, from really? that film, yes. Well, I think they've done well. Mm hmm. You could see all that there. I think that's why they had, as you said when you when we first when the title card came up, oh, it's a good cast. It is, and they yeah. really did have pretty much everybody you would want. Well, no Bernard Breslau. No, but that's true. Well, I'm going to say that then. We're going to say, I'm going to say no Hattie Jakes. No, no Jim Dale. No Jim Dale, but but good Scott. And of the interlopers, they were very small parts, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like any main. Personally, you don't like interlopers now. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. And I, but I mean, they weren't bad. I they weren't detracting from I do wonder if we've now got to the point where really the film doesn't matter. The quality, almost the quality of the film doesn't matter as long as it's got everybody in it playing mm. their parts. I did think that Kenny was a particularly good Cromwell. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. That was the right side of Sneery and power gone to his head mm-hmm. that I thought suited him down to the ground. 
Um, I'm not sure about Terry Scotters. That's Cardinal Woolsey. Yeah. Oh, I quite liked him. I thought he had. A, I quite liked some of his mannerisms and his yes. movements. Yeah. I in mean, it. he did put a lot into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wasn't sure. It wasn't. I, I think he's been funnier or better at other parts, whereas mm. I thought Kenny hadn't. Oh right, okay. It is a good part for Kenny, yeah. I have to say. The only, the only sort of slight downside. I remember this in the very first time I saw it, or maybe not the first time I saw it, but another a previous watching of it. Um, when Queen Mary seduces uh, Cromwell. Mm-hmm. Kenny makes some very strange noises. Well, it's obviously not in his heart. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's what Kenneth Williams thinks people having sex sound mm. like. Did <laughs> he not have sex? Well, I, I think he, he did have sex. Um, but um, I was obviously we're now talking about something that we can't possibly know. But my understanding is that he didn't. He never had a sort of long term relationship, if you like. Right. Um, so his sexual experience will have been brief encounters. Right. Um I think quite and I think that's actually quite a uh, sad thing for yeah. him. I think I think I think it's a bit of a shame that, that was the case. But uh, but I think it does lead to a slightly strange idea about what sex might be like. Yeah. And right. sex is very much in this film. There's no there's not a lot of holding back here. Quite, we know what it's about. It's quite titillating. Like the see through nineties and all the other things that do you not think? I mean, it's no Babs on a on a table with hearts for nipples, but <laughs> yes, well, we, we saw Babs bare bottom twice, mm. and as you say, the nightgown was particularly the diaphanous. But I also actually thought it, the nightgown on Joan Sims uh-huh. was also see through, wasn't oh, it? Oh, was it? Yeah, when she was battering them. Oh, when they came to kidnap the yes. king. Yes, mm-hmm. she was running through with. Now I think it was actually it was see through, and then there was another underslip underneath it. Uh-huh. But Babs didn't have another see through. No, underneath he it. was seeing everything with Babs, but yeah. that was the whole point. So, though, um, moving to a different time. Yes. No, it was in fact a different time of a different time. So I don't know which. Which different time were? Well, whether they they thought they could get away with more because they're actually talking about medieval days mm-hmm. when women were treated mm-hmm. this badly but uh, the hunting of the woman yes that was uncomfortable wasn't it it was um uh, but and then oddly enough it became did it become more comfortable or less comfortable when, when it went she, from rape to prostitution oh i don't know i think she'd just given in to the fact that it was going to have to happen was trying to make the most of it but, but no, that was that was yes. not a good example to set cinema goers no. in terms of the picturing of women. Not at all. No. Uh, the only other thing I, I noticed down here was the the boob jokes. Yes, the lovely pairs and the mm-hmm. uh, handfuls. Handfuls. And and I've got a couple of things. Yeah, so I, I noticed them. But that see that that's carry on. Yeah, I don't, I'm not upset by that in the way uh-huh. that the hunting for women I was. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm just saying that is something you wouldn't get away with these days. I, I see. I, I think you only wouldn't get away with it these days because everyone go, but you're just doing the carry on. But no, I think there's an element of leering, of uh, objectifying, and that was all they were. The value of them was. I mean, he would throw off one woman just because the other mm. woman had nice. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. There was no other value to the women. Acknowledged by the men. No, no, that's true. Um, 
But again, may again, there's there's other odd things to think about as well, like the fact that they said that French women are always desperate for sex, and Joan Sims was playing it as if that's because she seduced everybody in the yeah. in the court basically, and was still desperate for sex. It's like that. I thought that was a bit uncomfortable. Not racist. Well, not just yes, slightly racist, but I was more thinking about can. This film's objectifying women, and that's one thing. But then having the women contribute to that makes it even more uncomfortable, if you like. Aren't, aren't they just doing what the men do? What the men are doing. Mm-hmm. Equal rights. Yeah, okay. Female power, taking control of the situation and doing... Well, but I think in a, in, a, needs. in a different film, that would be fine. But in a film where everything's objectification... It's not. It's not as comfortable. I think you're wrong. Do you? Okay. All right. Fine. All right. Okay. Fine. Um, yes, so I've just done that. Um, interestingly, on the it was a different time, and of course it was also a different time at the different time. There were quite a few contemporary references. I think it did tell you quite oh, a like bit the, about the late seventies Britain or the early seventies Britain. That they'll never get in. Uh, yeah, well, the Queens and the Queens and Labour don't worry, they'll never get in because it was filmed just after Ted Heath was elected, and also the um, SET, the Sex Enjoyment Tax, mm-hmm. um, VAT had just come in as well. Ah, so I can, see. that was something where you couldn't get away from it. Um, similarly, with presumably Sex Enjoyment Tax, because everybody was enjoying it. Um, so uh, and. Uh, then also, oh well, yes, the whole why why wasn't Joan Sims getting what she wanted? Why wasn't Queen Mary getting what she wanted? Because she ate garlic, and garlic smells so awful that no nobody would want to be within a hundred yards of her at any time. It was a different time before Britain had discovered garlic. I know. But it was more a reflection of the of its time, wasn't mm. it? So uh, I don't think that was. But it's a bit, uh, I think it does make it difficult to difficult to watch now. Insofar as you know, you're sitting going, well, "What's wrong? She's got garlic." Well, you can don't eat the garlic. Have a mint. Brush your teeth. Do something. But that was the thing. She refused to stop. Yeah, yeah. But then today you go through go to the supermarket and there's like not quite shelves and shelves. There's always plenty of garlic though. Mm. Imagine a time when people didn't have garlic. It was a bland time. It was a bland time. Yes, it probably was a bland, but bland time. Um, a film that begins and ends with beheadings, and at one point has three people hanging on, uh, three people hanging from nooses. Perfectly acceptable. Didn't bother me. I mean, it was a historical film. I mean, is it any different? What's the historical film we saw recently with beheadings? Zero. But yeah, the Caribbean. It, it happens all the time. <laughs> Does it? Okay. Um, laughs. Laughs. Well, I'm a bit disappointed by your Lack not laughing. Laughter. You didn't laugh at the alternative title, "Mind My Chopper." Oh, I didn't notice that. Sorry. Oh, did you not? And you didn't laugh at um, the the sort of scroll of text at the beginning, telling you that this was taken from a manuscript by William Cobbler. Um, and it was all cobblers. But it was all cobblers. No. no. <laughs> See that? I think, I think 
given that you had seen that and didn't laugh at it, that's probably why you didn't enjoy most of the other gags yeah. that were in this film. I must admit, I didn't notice that one for quite so much. <laughs> you did like the jazzed up green sleeves, though, on the, uh, on the, the, the uh, as a title theme. Yeah. Um, so, laughs. First laugh that I got was um, Joan Sims chasing at Charles Hawtrey. I thought you might be one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit more gay panic later on when uh, um, Terry Scott had to smuggle the um, letters that were, first of all, long and just things up his second of all, very wide. But it's not necessarily a gay thing. It was just a, that would be uncomfortable mm, up okay. his bottom thing. Okay, all right then. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, maybe, maybe that's my, my problem, not theirs. <laughs> um... Then you laughed at um, Thomas Cromwell and Cardinal Woolsey uh, toasting uh, to issue tissue off all down. <laughs> at, that t- at that time, I didn't realise what to issue meant. Oh, that, to have, have a child. Have a child. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, oh, the the uh, when. Henry came back to the banquet that Mary had prepared that was all garlicky. Mm. Thomas Cromwell tried to stop him by saying that the peacock was all cock and no pea. Though I had one before that. All right. Um, now, I've just written, need more wine to to rise. I think it was about his cock getting hard. Yes. You really, you just, you don't beat about the bush, do you? Oh, sorry, was that a bit explicit for our listeners? Yeah, have you not seen Carrie or Henry? There's, there's no shortage of, of uh, euphemisms for things rising. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> His member was to attention. <laughs> I don't remember being a particular line about wine being something to do with that. I think it's if I have any more wine, I won't be able to rise. All oh, right, okay. All right. Rise to the occasion. Okay. Um, then I've got uh, Kenneth Williams, um, uh, Janet impersonation, Doctor Finley, Doctor yes. Finley. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> think, I don't particularly know that reference, mm-hmm. but it was Scottish enough for me to okay. appreciate it. And I think I also detected a bit of a guffaw um, when Henry said to the King of France, King Francis of France, I love her Franny. Yes, because it was like, I love her Franny. Franny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet you didn't laugh at, for example, what I thought was the fu- a funny scene There's was... when you laughed out loud. Yeah. What did I laugh out loud at? I think I laughed out loud when um, Barbara Windsor, as Bettina, got all the punctuation wrong. Oh. Uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the king I, has done me. No, no, there's no full stop. The king has done me a great, a great honour by making me. No, by making me your lady in waiting, etc., etc., etc. Oh, no, I didn't, even you retelling it, I don't find that funny. Okay. So anything else that you thought was funny? No, I didn't write any more down, so that's not many laughs. No, it wasn't. It wasn't enough laughs to make it a worthwhile film. Rubbish, should we just end it here? Can I tell you? Is that a possibility? You'll have to ask the question. Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, you didn't, I know did you laugh at a couple of reused gags. Both Charles Hawtrey having been in the Iron Maiden, taking a drink of water and the water all coming out of him. It was too obvious. But do you notice it had been reused from Follow That Camel? 
No. No, and then reused from Up the Kaibar was uh, Up Your was give Light Up Your Life and Up Yours. Yes. Got reused as well. See? But again, I mean, you were right on the nose, but they were right on the nose. You cunning old bastard at one point. John Sims said to St. James, you cunning old bastard. You think that was a bit much? Yeah, and when she was that, I think I laughed at this as well, when she was embroidering Henry as a sh- <laughs> <laughs> Shining example to the millions. <laughs> but it was like, that's a bit, okay, so that's different, because like, that would yeah. not be in Carry On Sergeant, would no. it? You wouldn't have got uh, that. Carry uh, on Sergeant. Carry On Sergeant. Um, Remember the 80s? Yeah, <laughs> when we started this podcast. <laughs> You said you, you said you weren't that keen on Hot Tree in this, but he still stole every scene he was in, I think. Mm, I didn't. Looking about now. Oh, mm. dear me. I'm uh, a bit tired tonight, folks. Yeah. So. I've got bit something here, something about something to something. Bettina, unhappy. Don't know what that's about now. Anyway. So we'll just go through who was good, who was bad, etc. Um, Sid James as Henry VIII. Yes, he was good as an Afwaha. <laughs> Apart from when he was hunting women to rape them. Mm, not so good. Uh, Kenneth Williams as Thomas Cromwell. Brilliant. Uh, Charles Hawtrey as Sir Roger de Lodgerby. Okay. Best name of a character in the. I, I'm not sure I could say it. Sir Roger de Lodgerby. Um Joan Sims as Queen Mary. I liked her. Terry Scott as Cardinal Wolsey. I did like him, but not his best. But not his best. Barbara Windsor as Bettina. Yes, I did. Now, she looked odd. Was it the lack of big hair? Could be, because you didn't really see her hair at all, did no. you? Very much. Um, I thought it was a bit odd that, that um, her father, the Earl of Bristol, mm-hmm. get it? Oh, uh, he was... Charlie, Earl of Bristol, Peter Butterworth, in his Which didn't even two have and a half line. lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had two daughters, but the other one, who uh, you know, the brief glimpse we got was that she was pretty attractive too, off. It was a, she was only there for the lovely pairs guy. Lovely pair, those are Charlie's, etc. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Julian Holloway, I don't know really what this character was called, but he was like Henry VIII's pal, pal, chum. Um, he was fine. Mm-hmm. I thought that point when it seems like Henry VIII was trying to get off with Bettina, it the plot kind of took a second back seat because. Williams and Hawtrey and Terry Scott just disappeared at that point for about 20 minutes. Oh, I didn't notice that. Mm, so it was a bit strange. Um, Peter Gilmore as King the King of France. of France. I liked him. I mm. liked his eyes. You know he's been in about eight carry-on films now. We've never really talked about him or mentioned well, him. Well, I liked him in this one. Uh, but I think Bernard Breslau could have done that better. Oh, Interesting. And I haven't got a picture of him here, but Kenneth Connor as Lord Hampton of Wick. He was good. Quite a straight part, though. Yes. But it just made you think, last time he was an old man, and this time he's not, and he does... Mm-hmm. He, he does Versatility. Morph, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you notice Patsy Rollins was the queen at the beginning who was being beheaded? I didn't know who she was. She was Kenneth Williams' housekeeper, and again, Doctor, who oh. suddenly became all vampy. But yeah, a big enough part, part yes. Yeah. Uh, who's still alive? Um, Joan Sims? No, no she's you, always been dead. You would love Joan Sims to be alive, Babs. but she's dead. Babs she's, is alive. She's the only one alive. No, Julie Holloway's alive too. Oh, well Julie Holloway is the um, model slash writer Sophie Dahl's father. Ah. Did you know that? No, you didn't know that, did you? Say that again. Julie Holloway 
is the model slash writer. This one. Ah, uh, I thought you were talking about her, and that's why I was getting confused because you were talking no. about fathers. No, no. So there we go. And so, then, 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 then. Is this the end? Do we carry on? Yes, we do. Oh, but is it? Are we? Are we in danger of not carrying on? I think if we had like three of those films on our, on the run, that uh, would that would put a significant risk on the project. Oh, you better back up your ideas, carry ons. Oh, I'm sure I've got plenty more to see. Oh, well. You know, it's, you've seen about 15% of them now. So. Nice. <laughs> as long as it doesn't we're go 90, we're, we're, This film was released in 1971. So, well, so you know when they, you know vaguely when here, they start and stop. Downhill from here, that would be good. Okay. <laughs> then that'll be good. <laughs> so if you want to get in contact with us, if you have any views on Carry On Henry or the Carry Ons in general or the podcast in general, Please feel free to contact us. Uh, carryonpodcast at gmail is the email address. And at carryonpodcast is our Twitter handle. But all that remains now is to say, uh, join us the next time when we carry on up the misses. Bye-bye. Bye. Carry on. Bye. Bye.